Copyrighted program created for the Rio Grande Oil Company. Los Angeles Police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 116. Be on the lookout for Eddie Griffith. Described as American, age 23, height 5 feet 10 and 1 half inches, weight 148 pounds. Has chestnut hair, brown eyes. This man is wanted for robbery. Step on it, boy. Roses are. When police announce the Rosenquist, radio to a patrol car, step on it, boys. The car, which is intruding so slowly, leaps suddenly into action. Rio Grande cracks gasoline is sprayed into each cylinder. And because it is so finely cracked, it burns instantly, creating acceleration and power that sends the police car roaring to the rescue. Los Angeles police say no other gasoline gives such acceleration and power as Rio Grande cracks. That's why all Los Angeles City fire engines, radio cars, ambulances, motorcycles, have used nothing but Rio Grande cracked gasoline for three successive years. The patented, exclusive cracking process gives Rio Grande decided advantages over all other Japanese. Police in other cities have also found that Rio Grande cracks are faster, more powerful than others. So in Oakland, Berkeley, and in Maricopa County, Arizona, in all the West, Rio Grande cracks Japanese powers more police and emergency cars than any other brand. Now we present Chief James E. Davis of the Los Angeles Police Department. Chief Davis. Good evening, friends. I wish to thank the sponsors of this program for their foresight and civic-mindedness in preparing and presenting the program arranged for your entertainment tonight. It serves a dual purpose. It assists the Los Angeles Police Department in presenting to our many thousands of listeners a vivid picture of what the migratory criminal problem really means to police agencies. At the same time, it could serve to make American citizens anxious to preserve their peace and security, more conscious of their duty toward the police in cooperating with them and supporting them in their unceasing efforts to protect the lives and property of our people. The killer whose career of crime will be unfolded for you here this evening, was a typical migratory criminal who entered the state in the parlance of a hobo by riding the rod and hitchhiking. He carried with him a gun, which he had used in Seattle to murder a policeman. Although he was but 23 years of age, he came into California without money, without any visible means of support, and obviously with no intention of working or giving to this state any service whatsoever in return for what it might give him. But on the contrary, as our police records show, he sought to forage in green pastures even if he had to rob and kill to do so. He was a typical vicious criminal 
who called himself Young Dillinger and committed burglary and robbery over the length and breadth of Oregon and California. Tonight's story is a true story of one migratory indigent whose criminal career under a proper fingerprint and border patrol program might have been nipped in the bud. Seattle, Washington. Late on April evening in 1934, a Seattle police sergeant enters his house.
I know he's getting into trouble. Where is Mr. Sands now? He's asleep. I'll have to wake him up. I don't dare to. Why not? He'd break my neck. He's sleeping it off. Just got in there, huh? Well, yes, just a little while ago. Hey. Been on one of his chairs. Gone two days this time, and I'm getting sick and tired of it. Well, you're afraid to wake him up? We'll have to. Very well, but you better be careful. He's awful mean tempered. Don't worry, ma'am. I think we can handle him. All right, then. He's in that bedroom in there. Well, I can hear you. Come on, you. Wake up. You've got to take him harder than that. Okay, come on. Wake up. Press those nerves behind his ears, son. That'll bring him up in a hurry. Okay. All right, now. Wake up, I said. Oh. 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 Get up and get your clothes on. No way. I'm... Get up. You're under arrest. Under arrest. Hey, that is that guy's going to drunk without getting a wrist? Not when he holds up Weston. What? Uh, the man who didn't hold up that coffee shop on 7th Street last night. Yes, sure did. Where were you last night? Well, down at Sales Joint. Sunshine. It doesn't look much like a description of something. I know, but we'll get a man enough to spill. Down at Sales Joint, huh? Sure, I can prove it. By some of them herders you were down there with, I suppose. Oh, Get your face, old woman. You're in a tough spot, Ben. Mr. Poe was used as a getaway car last night in a holdup. See, that dirty bump. Who? That's Ben Kennedy. Who's he? Well, he borrowed the car last night and said he had a video. Huh. Huh. So he went on a holdup, huh? Yeah, but he had some pals with him. Sure you weren't along? Pardon me, I swear it. I... I didn't put a foot out of that place last night. Because you couldn't walk. Oh, shut up. Get on your pants, Stern. We're taking you in until we can check your story. Burns is taken to headquarters and with the two detectives searches the mug book for the man who claims that followed his car. Finally, he points to the picture of Ben Kennedy. And within three hours, the detectives have Kennedy in custody on a warrant charging robbery and assault with a deadly weapon. Suffering from bad hangover and frightened, he talks to me. I didn't have nothing to do with it, I tell you. You borrowed Stern's car last night, didn't you? Yeah, but I didn't pull no hold-up. That car was used for a getaway in the hold-up on 7th Street. You borrowed the car. Now, we're smart enough to put two and two together. I pull no hold-up. There were three men in that car. Who were the other two? A couple of friends of mine. But I, I don't know nothing. What were their names? One was Frank. The other was Eddie. Frank and Eddie what? I don't know their last name. So you and Frank and Eddie went for a ride in Stern's car last night. Yeah. Where did you go? Uh, just rode around. Rode up to 7th and Whitmer, didn't you? You might have. Think carefully. You not only might have, you did. Isn't that the truth? Oh, yeah. We stopped up on 7th Street for a few minutes. What happened up there? Eddie got out and went across the street and went into the eating joint. A couple of minutes later, I heard something that sounded like shooting. Eddie came running across the street and jumped into the car. He told me to drive like the devil, so what the hell? You say you heard something that sounded like shots. Isn't there a fact that you did hear shots? It's like I just told you. I heard that is what the noise was, and he said it was some kids shooting firecrackers. What's Eddie's last name? I don't know. Would you recognize his picture of his horse? Yeah. I guess so. Oh, okay. Send me that book of robbery mugs, Jerry. Okay. Thanks. All right, Ben. Start looking. See any pictures on this page that look like him? No. How about these boys? 
We ain't on this page. Well, look these over. No. Four hours the two detectives forced the suspects to scrutinize carefully the pictures of criminals in the huge robbery flat mug book. But Ben does not recognize any of them as his friend of the night before. Finally. Well, here's the last page. Is any picture here, Ben? No. Looks like he hasn't got a record. How about it, Ben? Have you ever been in trouble before? Well, I don't know. Think carefully now. It seems like he said something about a beef up in Frisco. Up in Frisco? Well, there's something else. Get down that San Francisco mud book, will you, Tom? Sure. There we are. Gee, do I have to look at this one, too? I'm getting hungry. Well, get something to eat after you find out his picture. Yeah, but gee. Well, I'll get these see. boys over. No. He ain't there. How about here? No. Well, there's plenty of pages and lots of time. See them on this page? Yeah, that's him, I think. This one here? Jack Thomas, Elias Jack Newton, Elias Eddie Griffith. Is that the guy? Eddie Griffith? The guy never looked enough like him to do his kid brother. That's probably him, then. That picture was taken three years ago. San Francisco, number 440512. Well, would you look at this mug's record, Tom? Picked up in Seattle when he was only 11 years old for staying out late. Sent a person from San Francisco for a stick-up when he was 16. He's a tough guy, all right. He won't do when we get through with him. We don't stand for young bums running around with cats in this town. Fearing for the consequences of his friendship with the young hoodlum with the long record, then leads the officers to an apartment on South Ferrando Street, where he had stayed with Franconetti. But when they arrive, the apartment is unoccupied. The detectives summon the landlord. Yes, gentlemen, what was it you wanted? They're looking for the boys who have this apartment. You know anything about them? No, I don't. I never planned to my tenants to fail so long as they pay the rent. When were they here last? Well, they weren't here last night, I'm sure. They left yesterday afternoon with a couple of miles. I've seen them drive away in a tan class, but they're probably stolen. They can't. Yes. That's what I found in this desk drawer. What? Scrap of paper. It says straight down Clinton to Larchmont. Turn to the left. Larchmont Theater. And here on the back is a map of the theater lobby showing the position of the box office. Does that mean anything to you? Sure. Larchmont Theater was robbed in daylight last week, and our friend Eddie Griffith probably took the job. You know anything about that one, Ben? No. no we'll take Eddie's mug to the manager of the theater. Say, do your tenants leave their cars back there in that yard? A lot of them do. Why? I just wondered. Got a hunch, Tom. Let's look over those cars that are out there. Okay. Uh, there's a real entrance right at the end of the hall. Come on. Let's go see if the license plate check with the numbers on the registration slip. You got a Tom? Yeah, not a bad idea. I'll take a look at this old bridge. Well, that's the license plate on the car. What? 
But we did get some good prints of Eddie from the car. Fine. Now, what about the girl? They admitted their part in the Oakland robbery, but they didn't deny knowing anything about the Larchmore Theater, the 7th Street job. Uh, a couple of hard moles, Cap. I suggest you let them loose and then put a tail on them. Sooner or later, they'll lead us to Eddie. I wish I could be so sure. Well, what do you mean? That's good. I think they're too smart to fall for it. Well, let's try it anyway. Okay, Skipper. Anyway, I've got another lead on Eddie. Well, what's that? I've just received a tip that he's strike-breaking in San Pedro with Roy Staper, Frank Barnamore, and Lear Tapasa. You know, they're the guys that we want for that bank job last week. I've sent Chambers and Johnson down there to pick them up. We'll wait for the report. Hello, Bill. How do you like this part of you? I don't. This 12 hour tip is killing me. You guys in the second bureau got it stopped. Yeah, we don't work 12 hours. We work all hours. And your feet on a desk in City Hall. Go on, Bill. You know how easy you guys in uniform have it. I'll say it. How are you doing down here? Looking for a couple of strike breakers that are pretty good at breaking back. Oh, who are they? I know most of the boys. Well, look at these tips. And they're probably using phony names. Oh, I know these guys. They're working just down the dock here. All right, come along with us. I think they're unloading the trophy ship. Yeah, there they are now. Come down the game plane. Come on. Uh oh, they've seen us. All right, boys. Stand like we are. Hey, come back here, you two. They're running up the game plane. Tackle that master, Johnson. Come on. Never lose touch with these guys. What's up in there, Joe? What's your guys want? All right, cut up. Take care of them, Bill. Johnson and I are going to search the ship for the other two. Eddie Griffith once more had eluded the law. He and Bonomo successfully escaped from the ship's bills, and although within a few days the robbery squad picked up Bonomo and Capasso, the other members of the bank robbing trio, and subsequently sent them to San Quentin, Eddie remained at large. A month passed. The constant shadow kept on the two girlfriends of Eddie's relentless but fruitless. Wise to the ways of the underworld, they realized they are being followed. Remain away from Eddie Griffith. Finally, Honor and Divine, bring them in once more for such. What's that big idea? You guys had us in here once and we proved to you we were clean. Yeah. And ever since, we've had the privacy of a goldfish. I wouldn't be surprised if you birds watched at the windows when we went to bed. You can come with badges, that's what you are. Are you all true? Not by several mouthfuls, I ain't. Well, then shut up and I'll tell you what the big idea is. They want Eddie Griffith. Well, go get him. You're going to help us. Oh, no, we ain't. Now, we have good reason to believe that you know where he is. How come? You know what kind of toothpaste we use. You certainly ought to know if we've been hearing from him. We're reasonably certain that you have, then. Well, we ain't talking, please. Well, that's a relief. Now, listen to me. You girls are in a bad spot. There's a rap waiting for you in Oakland. Maybe before we're through, we'll hang a couple on you down here. If you acted like ladies, it might go easier. You know, I hate to see a couple of kids like you going the wrong way. Why, here you are, just at the age when you ought to be having a good time, wearing pretty clothes, thinking of marrying up with some nice guy and raising a family, and look at you. Dressed in dirty slacks, traveling around the country with a couple of stick-up artists. Why, if they was big shots, it wouldn't be so bad. There, a couple of tin horns. You got a mother, Cora? No, she's dead. Oh, that's too bad. I wonder what she's thinking up there. She knows what a jam you're in. Well, I don't know. How about you, Stella? Does your mother know what you're up to? No. Well, how would you like to have her know about it? No. No. How would you like to have her write your letters and carry the woman's prison at the hatchet? No, I don't want her to know. She thinks I got a good job down here in L.A. Well, girl, what about it? Well, listen, you want to do the right thing. I'm sure you do. Look, if we tell you where Eddie is, 
Will you let us go? Well, we'll do everything we can for you. Completely swayed by the shrewd psychology of the two officers, the girls lead them to Eddie's hideaway on Boulder Street. But again, the officers arrive too late. Eddie has escaped. And that night, another holdup occurs in which Eddie is described by the victim. And then, two days later, Captain Fidel receives a letter from the Seattle Police Department. He sends for Connor and Devine. Boys, I've got a letter here that'll interest you. From the Seattle Department. They say. Here Griffiths referred to in your bulletin is known to us as an incorrigible juvenile. We last heard of him when he was sent to Preston from San Francisco. However, investigation of recent holdups and the murder of Police Sergeant Donovan in April point to this subject as a suspect. Several victims have identified Griffiths' picture as man who held him up. And the single witness who saw a man leaving Sergeant Donovan's house after he was murdered feels reasonably sure that Griffith is the man. Please inform us, if you have placed him in custody, that we may begin extradition proceedings and bring him back here for questions. <laughs> well, boys, what do you think of that? Well, it's like this case is bigger than we thought, and the bums wanted for murdering an officer, eh? Now we'll never stop until we get him. I was getting a little tired of all this trouble for speak up artists, but this changes everything. Oh, pardon me this moment, please. Captain Seager's statement. Yes, Yes? Okay, thanks. Well, boys, maybe this is your last day on the case. Well, what do you mean? Things are happening fast. I was a tip that Griffiths was leaving town. We need a pal at the corner of 7th and Alvarado at 1 o'clock. And that's just an hour and 15 minutes from now. Call the boys in. Yeah. In the captain's office, you Now, boys, we're going to pick up Eddie Griffiths at the corner of 7th and Alvarado at 1 o'clock. Oh, they're holdups. Well, he isn't only a holdup guy. We just learned that he's wanted for the killing of a police officer in Seattle last spring. Now listen, I want you all to get a good look at this mug here. See, so that you recognize it. Listen, here's the plan, Captain Berger. You and your partner will be parked in the car on Seventh Street heading west, as close to the corner as you can get. Carter, you and Devine park on Alvarado, heading north. Chambers on Seventh, heading east. Johnson. Put on a pair of overalls and hang around the northwest corner by the park. Now, you two men hide in one of the stores on the northeast corner of Alvarado. Use your own car so that you won't cause any suspicion. As soon as you see him, close in on from all sides. I don't want any slip-ups on this. Bring him in dead or alive, but bring him in. <laughs> position at the corner of 7th and Alvarado, looking as little like police officers as possible. Traffic streams past the busy corner. Hundreds of people in the noon hour luncheon crowd hurry by, oblivious of the tense group of police who eagerly stand passing face, each taking automobile. Ignorant of the fact that at any moment this intersection may become another battlefield in the war against crime. Finally, after an hour's nerve-wracking alertness, divine systems with its tactics. There he is. Where? That great Ford Road is in the north of Alvarado. Now the lights again. Can't help that. Take a chance. Take him down, Johnson. Hey, what is it? You're under arrest for robbery and murder. Huh? That's the cuffs on him, Jeff. I've got a 30-inch in the pants and a 45 in the left-hand pocket of the car. End of the car, you. What's your name, buddy? 
My name's Young Gillinger. Yeah. Well, my name's Young Melvin Purvis. Let's go, Connor. So it went with this cop killer. Eddie Griffith was returned to Seattle, where he was tried and convicted, and is now confined in prison for life. In checking the records of vagrants, street and resident beggars, and panhandlers, we find that 60% have criminal records. The sheriffs of various California counties and the peace officers of other states have cooperated with us in our programs to expose and stem the movements of floating criminals. Because of Eddie Griffin and thousands of his ilk, the Los Angeles Police Department has deemed it necessary to set up hobo blockades in the belief that the solution of this problem will be found in attacking this source. Thank you, Chief Davis. Ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not, although police of many western cities have specified Rio Grande Crash Japanese because of its greater speed and power, they have also discovered on checking their operating costs that Kraft is also the most economical gasoline. Rio Grande's patented cracking process creates a faster, more powerful gasoline that burns efficiently without waste so that every drop turns into power. That's the kind of performance you want in your car. Police car performance. And you can get it at no extra cost. Just drive into the independent Rio Grande dealer in your neighborhood. He'll give you genuine cracked gasoline that sets the effort at no higher price than uncracked, unbalanced gasoline. And if you've got youngsters in your family, ask about the free gift, the complete junior detective outfit that we are now giving away to every user of Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline. Los Angeles Police calling all cars, attention all cars, cancellation of that 116 regarding Eddie Griffith and for robbery. This case is now closed. That's all. Rose This is Frederick Lindsley bidding you good night for the Rio Grande Air Company.